listening to episode 47, chapter 6 of the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. I'm Josh Havens. And I'm Chris Lamberth. And we're on a journey to learn what it means to live a lifestyle of discipleship. We're glad you're joining us and hope that as you set aside this time for God, that he would help you grow today in the everyday moments of life. Okay, so I have to fully admit uh, the irony in that Chris and I are right now uh, recording this sixth and final chapter of episode 47, uh, two days before the first chapter of this episode releases. And to be quite honest, we are taking an unhurried approach to recording and working through this podcast. Uh, partly because we've had some crazy stuff going on at work, but partly because, well, at least for me anyway, I've wanted to really chew on the content of the conversation with Alan. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been, it's been probably the most impactful conversation that we've had on the Daily Growth Discipleship podcast so far for me. Yeah, I think I, I, it de- I would say the same thing, not necessarily because of what he has said, but because of the timing of when it was said, yes. mostly. Um, that's not to say that the content wasn't amazing. It absolutely was. It's just that man, this thing came at a time when it was really needed, like in my life especially. And uh, it's, I mean, I, I know in yours as well. I'd also like to then say, not only like have we taken our time to getting the thing done within this week, but it's also been two weeks of technically producing on it because we took a week off right? rather than publishing. So like if you're listening to this, it's, it's technically a week late to where it was in our uh, release schedule. And that, that was partly because we were, we were, you know, working on it and just felt the need to say, you know what, like, let's just stop <laughs> and uh, we'll slow wait a week, a slow down a little bit. So yeah, it has been an interesting, uh, you know, th- really some of the concepts that he has put forth. And if you guys remember uh, chapter four, it's really when I, you know, sort of opened up about sort of my feelings and, feeling like I want to strive and do more, but then also feeling pulled back into sloth and apathy and all that sort of stuff. Um, it's, it's funny. You, you think sometimes that getting some of that stuff out in the open and recognizing that that stuff is there is going to make it easier to deal with. Um, and I have found that the opposite is true. A lot of the time. And so this has been one of those times where I've actually struggled with it, I think even more, like since having read uh, Alan's book and, and having the conversation with him, um, I have really, really struggled with this thing of like, where do I go with all of these feelings that I have to to produce, to do more, to try to measure up to, uh, you know, and then to maybe like, take my foot off the gas and to rest a little bit where am am I being apathetic I've really really wrestled with this over the past uh, few weeks and um, so yeah and I can't say that I've come to an ultimate conclusion uh, other than like if you've listened to our challenges this week I mean I think there's some great truth in those and and it's it, it at least for me, it's definitely coming from a place of this is where I'm aiming towards, not where I have arrived yet. 
And so right. um, th- the challenges were definitely me just preaching to myself more than anything. <laughs> we do that a lot in these challenges. And so I, I, I want to, if you're listening to this and you have this idea that Chris and I have figured out this lifestyle of discipleship thing, I want to set the record straight. We really are on the same journey of creating a lifestyle of discipleship uh, that we're calling everyone who's listening to be a part of as well. Um, and honestly, I, I'm right there with you, Chris. The The fact that we're trying to pay attention to the hurry in our lives, I think really illustrates what uh, happened in uh, in Alan's life as a college pastor, mm-hmm. or when he, when he slowed down, <laughs> that's when all the stuff started to come to the surface. Because at that point, you're not using your schedule to numb the pain anymore. Mm-hmm. And so if there's not all of this stuff filling up your schedule and, and making it so that you can't really focus on, on who you are as a person, well, things are just going to keep getting shoved underneath the, the surface and things are going to keep getting covered up. And especially in relationships with other people, uh, that stuff is really going to start to come out when you slow down. Yep. But... That's a good thing. That's yeah. the that's the work of sanctification in your life. And I think the key is to relax even in that and recognize that, uh, like we talked about in chapter two, there's grace for even the process. And we can grow out of this place of grace and rest and not have to grow so that we can get grace and find rest. Yes. But I still, you know, you... you our schedules can numb us, but I've also found the opposite to be true during this time as well. What I do when I rest is often numbing rather than restful. And so, like, I, you know, I find it hard to do that because then I'm, I'm sort of like, well, am I doing, is this really restful? Is it not restful? Do I enjoy it for the right reasons or the wrong reasons? And so... I can kind of get stuck in my head and kind of go down a, you know, a bad spiral on that side of things uh, as well. So I've really been intentional the last few weeks about asking myself that question that Alan brought up in uh, in chapter four, I believe, like, does it restore life back to you? Mm-hmm. Now, the problem with that is, is you don't know until after you've done whatever recreational or restful activity, (laughs) you know, Uh, the good news is, is I think there's a fairly short delay on whether or not you can know whether or not something was restful. And so like, if you, you know, you take a couple hours and you do a particular activity, like for me, I've been, I've been going on walks again. One, it's the springtime. And so it, the weather's been much warmer and nicer. And so going for walks for me is a, is a huge, huge, just life-giving activity. One, I'm just out, I'm moving, I'm able to be by myself and have thoughts or listen to, to an audio book or, or whatever it may be. That time for me is really, really life-giving. And so, um, whereas like maybe my go-to would just be to like sit on the couch and, you know, binge watch some show that I've probably seen a thousand times on Netflix, which is also a fun activity every once in a while. I've recognized though, again, thanks to this conversation, that those are numbing activities and not restful activities. And uh, I don't think I've really, I mean, I know that watching TV isn't necessarily a healthy activity, but I never really realized that it was numbing something, that I was just, you know, turning myself off to the pain and uh, pushing down the exhaustion. Because, again, I'm just sitting there. I am resting physically, but 
as we now know, right, <laughs> there's so much more to rest than it just, you know, not doing anything physically. So there's some mental, emotional, spiritual components to these yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. In the same way that we're trying to create a lifestyle of discipleship where it's our entire lives are about following Jesus, uh, I think rest, we have to look at rest in the same way. It has to be everything. It, ha- it has to invade every aspect of who we are. Our, like you said, our mental and emotional capacities, our physical capacities, and uh, everything. And th- I think that's one of the things that hit me uh, in a really, really powerful way this, in, during this conversation uh, was that Jesus demonstrated that really well. Mm-hmm. He lived his life, I, I think it, as Alan noted, the, the way that Dallas Willard described him as relaxed, uh, he lived his entire life relaxed. And doing that meant that he was fully aware of his identity as the Son of God, and he was fully aware that God was the one who provided for literally everything that he needed while he was here on earth. And I think we can make a theological argument from this that he still lives that way, because I think he's still a human being living Mm -hmm. in that kind of relationship with his father. Yes. Um, And so here we are trying to live our lives. We're trying to, like we talked about in the, in chapter five, find uh, an eternal perspective on how we bear fruit and things like that. And we're trying to be good stewards of what God's given us. We're trying to do and be and all this stuff all at the same time. And if we're not careful, we can miss the kind of life that Jesus lived while we're trying to live the kind of life that Jesus lived. Yeah. Isn't that the irony? That's the, and I think honestly, I think that's so frustrating to me personally is that we try to do something like we're trying to do it. We're trying to live the kind of life that Jesus did, but we often get so caught up with trying to do that thing that we miss it. It just, goes yeah. completely biased. And that is why I like, uh, it was one of my favorite questions. We were talking about this earlier in the week. Um, I asked uh, Alan, like, why? Like, why has the church missed this? Or how has it missed this? Yeah. And, um, it, you know, that is one of my favorite questions to ask guests because it, it does, it seems, it seems like such a weird thing that, you know, we often get caught up in our own lives, our own culture, and the the, the way that the world pulls us and pulls our hearts and our minds and distracts us that we do. We often miss some of these things that, that are, you know, once you see them, you're like, oh, that's fairly obvious. How did I actually yeah. miss that? Yeah. <laughs> and so like one of the things as you know, we were talking about before we, we jumped on, we've listened to this conversation now like two or three times. And uh, one of the things this last time that really got impressed upon me that I don't think I quite picked up on the, like when we were actually having the conversation was the uh, emphasis on the fruit, which fruit we're trying to produce, because the kind of fruit we're, we're striving to produce will often, that will determine the pace of life that we're living. Because, again, mm-hmm. if, if we think we have to produce fruit, a certain kind of fruit every single day, then we're going to be really, really rushed and in that hurried mindset. But if we recognize that the fruit that we're trying to produce is, you know, like he used the uh, he used the analogy uh, oak trees. He uses that in the yeah. book a lot more. Yeah. yeah, but he mentioned it oaks of righteousness. Um, you know, oak trees take a really long time to grow, 
and Not that's like squash okay. That's three months. That's right, <laughs> and that's okay. So slow down. If an oak tree tried to go grow really fast, it it wouldn't be an oak tree. It would end up being just a hollow shell of a thing that would fall over and not be able to, you know, grow strong and tall and, you know, endure what it endures, strong winds and ice and stuff like that. I mean, here in the Ozarks, right? Oak's got to yeah. be tough to, to stick around for more than a season or two. So, um, but, but, so, and I'm putting that together with this idea of identity, right? If our identity is the thing that's driving the fruit that we're trying to produce and the fruit that we're trying to produce is we're looking at it from that eternal perspective. Like again, listening to it just drew that through line straight through all five of these chapters for me. And it was just like, Oh yeah. The fruit of my life. If I'm looking at the fruit of my life from an eternal perspective, in a way I am the fruit like the quality, the character of my life is what God is most concerned with me being concerned with, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah, I get does. caught up with trying to make everybody else's life and all like all of the world into the kingdom of God. And God really just wants me first and foremost to be his child. That should be the fruit that I am most concerned with. <laughs> and that's why I love, I think it was, it might have been chapter two or maybe chapter three, but Alan really, really draws that distinction. It was chapter two. When we, when we think about bearing fruit, the things that we have to do, we typically think we do so that and we do, and then we rest so that we can continue doing. But really what, what he's been arguing this, this entire conversation is that we live a life of rest. And as we do that, we begin to naturally produce fruit. And that kind of fruit that we produce are those things that take a long time to build, and they really come out of who we are at that point, rather than being something that we work to produce or try to attain on our own. And it really does. It takes it all the way back to to identity. Are you secure enough to rest and not be trying to strive to make a name for yourself in this lifetime. Yeah. And this is this is one of those conversations I think it's much easier said than done. And it's going to take it's going to take time. It's going to be a process as it's, you know, proven to be in our lives and then I think as it has been intensely over the last uh, couple weeks after having this conversation for us, this isn't an overnight process. Um but the more we meditate on this idea, the more we pursue Christ and who he has, who he is, and the more we become like him, that, that's us seeking our own identity. That's, that's us mm. finding yep. our own identity in him. And then it's from that place that we can begin to live out you know, authentically who he's called us to, uh, to be. And, and so then that's the thing that translates into the do. And, and and for me, just honestly, that's where I have the hardest time is that it's it's that transition. Um, like I think you you Josh would argue that there's not as much of a transition there is like I think that there is, and that's probably where I'm I'm getting hung up is I think okay 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 I'm being now I can switch over to doing, yeah. and the point is is no 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 that's not the point. <laughs> 
Um, but in, and so again, just super honest that that's what I'm struggling with and trying to come to grips with who I am and, and how, how my being translates into what God has called me to do is, you know, as far as like this podcast goes, as far as, you know, my day job goes, like, how do those things, how are the things that I do sourced by who I am? Um, and, and I think that's the question we all have to ask ourselves. How can you create a lifestyle of discipleship? Most Christians think discipleship is a program or a few practices thrown in at the beginning or end of the day. But we want to help you create a lifestyle where walking with Jesus throughout the day is not only possible, but natural. And we have a tool that's going to help you do just that. It's called the Daily Growth Journal. It's a guided journal that's going to help you become secure in your identity with God and authentically walk with Him in your daily life. Growing daily in your walk with Christ is possible if you cultivate a lifestyle of discipleship. And the Daily Growth Journal will help you do just that. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. To find out more about Alan's work, check out unhurriedliving.com. If you like what you've heard this week, give us a review on Apple Podcasts or the podcast player you use. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to stay up to date on everything happening at Daily Growth Discipleship, go to dailygrowthdiscipleship.com and subscribe for free. You can also subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Spotify.